my father found out that I was back in the States, you know, and he was like, hey, why didn't you say, you know, you had gotten out of the military? Well, the problem was I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to see, I didn't want him to see what I had become. And I put these stems, these shroom heads in this, in these crackers and I ate them. And so, and I ate a good, like a, like a handful, probably it was portioned for two people. And, and I'm just hearing everything and it's just annoying. I'm just stressing out. I have a little, what's it called? Little, I don't have a closet in my breath. I put a bar in my bedroom as a closet and it was pretty sturdy you know and i had a board tie and i tied it around and i held it in my hands and i was planning on just hanging myself with that and then i finally you know i get on the phone with my dad Welcome back, everybody, to the Light It Up podcast. I'm your host, Dwight Taylor. Um, we have with us Rafael Alvarez. Hey, guys. And uh, Jonathan Guerrero. Hey, you. So uh, if you have not seen part one with Jonathan Guerrero, we have been uh, going through his testimony um, and his redemption story. Um, and if you have not seen part one, we will have a link in the description. Make sure you check that out before you check this one out. But um, we were uh, discussing what the general theme of his testimony was, and he had mentioned that it was the prodigal son. So um, he just kind of a summary of his last testimony is he he grew up and got uh, kind of separated from his dad, from his father, and a lot of bitterness resided in him and grew in him from that. And so uh, starting off from where we just ended, he had just turned 18 and he's just about to join the Marines. So Jonathan, why don't you go ahead and start right where we left off? Awesome. Okay. First, I want to say this, everything with the last podcast, you know, I'm not sure to anything, you know, if it's like, man, this guy's, well, yeah, I was, I was not saved. I was messed up. You know, if everything seems like, man, this, yeah, that's pretty much how it is. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be, I was blunt then. I'm going to be blunt straightforward. So other than that, yeah, no, I mean, so yeah, 18, you know, and I knew it was easy. It was an easy, easy, easy decision to make. Our recruiter loved me because I really gave no problems. I was a healthy 18-year-old kid, you know, um, and I got shipped off. This At this point, you know, it's like it really is like I want my inheritance and I want to bounce, you know. I want to, I'm going to see the world. I'm going to do things, you know that like i'm really like literally stepping away from my from my family from my father you know and the thing was the sad thing about this was my father was really proud proud of me you know my mother and everything were really proud of me the end of the day i really didn't honestly i didn't care at the time i was just like i'm gonna go do my own thing you know i'm gonna go you know push myself to to succeed and, and see if i can make a make something out of myself but you know, all truth, I was running away from from everything, you know, thinking that the farther I can get away, the fresh start I can have and, and really just um, r- really like just maybe maybe things will get better. So my my first year in is nothing but training, you know, nothing. I'm really easily distracted. 
uh, I graduate boot camp after three months and oh, phone's falling here. I graduate boot camp after three months and it was uh, it was an easy ride from there. You know, it was it was nice to to see my family, everyone proud of me. Um, but I was said I was still ready to just step into that journey. In this in this time frame, this these the four years is where I really got heavy into drinking. You know. Um, going overseas and everything like that, being with the people that I was with, you know. First thing I want to say this, like I have of the utmost respect for the military and it's in it's in the Marine Corps and the branches that I, and I and serving my country was is the biggest honor that I will ever have, you know. And, and that goes for all of us. We all everybody, JJ, Raphael, um, and I, we all respect the military and their yeah. sacrifice and what they've done for our country and for the freedom that we have because of them. So yeah. sorry about that, but continue. No, no, yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, what I'm sorry with the Taliban has nothing to do with, with it's my, it was my experience alone, you know? It's it, what, I, what I went through and has nothing to dictate what the branches or what the military is is just un you know unfortunately i don't have the best or the worst the worst stories to tell you know but my time in i developed a, a drinking habit you know i got i got in i would give you some of this for a full for a full two years when i was overseas every single day i would drink from thursday to saturday and i'd be i i blackout drunk almost every weekend you know, I would I wake up and uh, I'd be in my bed and I'm like, well, at least I made it back to the room somehow, you know. And in this time, I was very distracted. Like, I literally lost the sense of my family, my friends, like, you know, everyone back home. Like, I really just had no concern for them anymore. It was just, it was just me. Almost, uh, almost exactly like the prodigal son. Oh, yes. Like, I... <laughs> I, like I mean, and got into the you know that party phase. I was I was in a foreign country. I was you know in jungles and places like where one percent Americans will only ever go to. You know, I was I was living this life. You know, that's the problem is that people are like, oh, you're sitting, you're sitting. It's fun. It was fun. I had a blast. I having I was doing things like you know like that that you know most people my age will never do in their lives. And most people will, you know most people any age will ever do in their lives. You know. I'm, I mean, seeing sunsets from, you know, from the Philippines, from the jungles, from like, you know, just being in environments that, you know, and like I said, I'm, but I'm in, I'm in this place and I tell people all the time where the problem was, is that I felt immortal, you know, I felt untouchable and nothing touched me in that time, you know, I had, there was no repercussions from any of my actions, you know, and I took advantage of that, I took advantage of of the drinking, of the partying, of the going out, you know, of this attitude that I built. And in that time, you know, I built this, this, you know, this, this, what's it called? This spirit of death developed in me, you know, where I stopped really caring about myself. Even though I was like in the most tip-top shape I've ever been in my life, this, but this mentality of, you know, I don't care what happens if I die tomorrow, that's it, you know? And I live like that. I live like with no fear, with nothing, you know, for four years. And 
I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's much really you want me to dig into in that time frame. Um, but, I got one question. Tell me. Can you hear me, Chester? Okay. Um, so during that time, did has was God like any of your like was it any like any thought of him or was there any people like that you seen were talking about God or was it completely like there was like nothing like nothing was there he was just living life and that's it. So God was there. Um, I'll I'll, I'll have, a, have a comment for that too. But in the very beginning, in boot camp, there was a church that we had. They had church service on Sundays, and I thought it was funny for me because it's like you want to you want to go to church on Sundays or do you want to be stuck with the drill instructors? You know. <clears throat> and so I remember <clears throat> everyone to go to church Sunday. You know, and the music was beautiful. The music was it was amazing. You know, this this camaraderie you built with all the other recruits at the time, and. Uh, you know, we just, we have, it was like, it was a place to be and, you know, but they really talked, they didn't really talk about sin. They kind of just talked about feeling good, you know, and I, I didn't really recall this until later on, but I remember the, the chaplains and whatnot, they would always kind of motivate us, you know, like the, we're going to be warriors. We're going to be men of God. Um, you know, we're going to be fighting for him, you know, but it was never, never sin was not a topic in any, in any, in any real church or any real church, but any church I kind of had touched in or stepped into at the time really didn't have that that preaching of sin it didn't have it was always just a feel-good environment you know um god was he was there what got easier it got easier to block him out though it got easier to forget about him well, especially when i was doing the drink and i was doing the things like like you know at first it started with like oh man like like you know, I I know this is a sin. I know this is a problem. I know I shouldn't be doing this until, to a point where I didn't like it. Like I said, didn't hesitate. Like it just was second nature to pick up a bottle, to drink alcohol, to to do you know other you know things of perversion. You know of like it it didn't it didn't affect me anymore. I had no conviction. There was no wall. That wall was just was demolished. You know, there was no real like oh I feel like it hurt. Yeah, it just. But by my second year in, it just it was wiped clean, you know. I didn't have that. I didn't have that fear of God anymore. I like, you know, and but I never stopped believing in Him. I never, you know, I wasn't trying to fight the idea of Him. It just I didn't feel that conviction anymore, you know. And um, but like I remember there were certain times where you know I would come close to a certain situation, and I would tell myself I would pray. I'd be like, oh man, like God, get me out of this, you know, like. That was the only time when I was when I was afraid to die. That's when it would be like, oh my God, I believe in you, like you know. <laughs> but but other than that, it was like, yeah, like I said, when I was doing the things like sin, you know, it, it, it I was able. It was so easy to block it out, you know. It was so easy to to get over that. So just a picture of how um, into or how addicted to drinking Jonathan was. I remember he told this at a youth rally once. He said, uh, I don't, I think, I believe it was morning PT when you're on a run, right? Yeah. You're like, you go on a run. He said, he said, um, he had like a water backpack or something. Yeah, and like a, uh, it took, a, it's called a camelback. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was the, oh, the camelback story? story? I mean, I mean, that's like, that's camelbacks. This story is like, is it's, 
I want to say this happened. Obviously, this this happened more than anyone wants ever to happen. You know, that's the problem with it. I just kind of I stop with this story, but um, in the mornings at five in the five a.m., you know, Marines are Marines are crazy. We wake up at four forty-five, and we wake <laughs> up at four in the morning to be ready information at four forty-five, so we can start running at five in the morning. You know, so Dang. you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the time, I think I was I was just telling someone this story, but um. So when it comes to, you know, we're, about, we're all about uniform, uniformity, you know. Like, if if someone's wearing a white sock and doesn't have another sock on the other foot, everyone's got to take that sock off, you know. Everyone, everyone goes sockless. So you don't want to be that person who doesn't show up with that water source, you know, because then, you you know, you're going to get in trouble. Like, you're going to, you know, no, no, one get, no one gets to wear the camelback, you know. Um... And so I was looking, just kind of like, just frantically looking for that camelback, and I couldn't find it, you know. And I remember, I remember, like my roommate, I was like, okay, let me grab this guy's. Like, it was just kind of out there, and I got, I got down to formation, had it on, felt good, go run through my. I mean, granted, you know, the problem was I was already hungover too. It wasn't like I was perfectly sober at the time to begin with. I was just, you know, I was so. This was such a routine for me. That didn't fa- it really didn't phase me that much until during that running of the 5k let it be this is a three mile run that i had to do and i can't really be like i don't want to no it's like i have to do you know to run these three miles i think like halfway you know i'm like i'm getting parched so i grab the there's like a it goes over your shoulder and there's a little a tube in that you know and i stick it into my mouth and i want to get some water you know and when i do that immediately as soon as like whatever liquid content was in it i spit it out because it just happened to be alcohol it was liquor this guy you know and i was like i was so dehydrated that i just kept drinking just for the sake of like just to clear my throat of any dryness or my lips or anything like that you know but at the time i wasn't like i was all frustrated it was like like yeah this is my life you know like this is that's how bad it was it was just like it it wasn't like oh man i need to like stop or quit no it was just like i remember get back to my room i told my roommate hey like bro like next time you know like (laughs) you know i mean warn someone or you know but then it but then i remember at the time thinking to myself like that's a good idea you know it's (laughs) you know it just yeah it was just uh it was a very uh but even then, that's just a fraction, you know, just a fraction of, of what, and then granted, I'm only 20 years, I'm only 20, 21 years old, and 20 is a legal drinking age in Japan, so. I'm and you were, you were in Japan? Yeah, I was in Japan, okay. and, you know, I'm young, I'm 20 years old, I'm not, I'm not 25, 26, I'm 20 years old, and, you know, <clears throat> thinking I'm a, a grown man, you know, <laughs> like, just going through that, yeah, so that, that's that story, yeah, no. But I, I, I do tell it, you know, just because it gives you a sense of, like, you know, there's, like, the lack of, like, careness or, you know, just, like, that whole conviction was just totally gone, you know. But, yeah, but, and then. So, then the um, question. question. So how long, is you say you're 28, how long uh, were you in the military for? So for four years, from 2013 to 2017. So, so from, to, uh, from 18 to 23, yeah. So, okay. so, um, uh, so do you want to, um, 
So what year did you get saved? So I got saved 2021. So okay. in order, we'll, we'll, we'll get. Well, I was, to, I was just asking, cause I was just going to ask like, what, what do you want? Cause obviously, cause then you were, that means you were in a, there was a period of time where you were living in sin. Yeah. Correct. So, cause I was going to say, let's move on from the military and start talking okay. about. So I, I got out, I got out basically. Um, I got out 2017. The thing was funny is my father didn't know that I was out of the military for until a year later. You know, I really didn't, I didn't make an effort to really push. I had knew that I was coming back into the world totally full of sin, totally full of this, you know, and I had nothing. I thought this guy at the time had nothing, didn't want anything to do with me, you know, and, and for those four, for those four years afterwards, I carried on with the same mindset, with the same, you know, mouth, the same mentality, the same drinking habits. The thing was, I was no, I was just wasn't in the military anymore. Um, and for so from 2017 to basically 2020, in that time frame, you know, I I just fell into this, you know, that bitterness just develops and grows and grows and grows. You know, to give you some context later for later, you know, I got out with some not with some issues, you know, but with this very dark men mentality, this very dark mental state. And I remember telling myself, just, you know, I'll never I'll never put myself in a situation where I'm gonna kill myself or suicide. You know, I don't I'm I'm strong enough to to fight that, you know. I'm I'm so during this during this time I'm just trying to live my life, you know, um, still drinking. Uh, I think I pick up smoking at the time too. I really, really, you know, get invest into all that, with the different kind of liquors, you know. The problem was, is that my father now knew that I was back in, back home. And every so often, you know, you know, yeah, he, well, he misses his son. He, he would call me and, and invite me out to church. This is when I became good at excuses, you know. I would start saying, I would start, I would just tell him what he wanted to hear, what it was easier for me to tell him. And that was just, you know, those four years, my father, my the first year, my dad didn't, my dad didn't, didn't know I was back home until a year after I got back, you know. And then the remaining time, I just, like I said, I kept the same mentality, kept the same um, bitterness, the same hate. This problem now is I had this shame, this disappointment over me. Okay. My my father found out that I was back in the states, you know, and he was like, "Hey, why didn't you say, you know, you had gotten out of the military?" Well, the problem was I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to see. I didn't want him to see what I had become, because mm. all I could think was that this guy was gonna be just disappointed. And I'm telling you, I had that fear still. Still, when I was younger, you know, my dad would yell at me. He would tell me. When I was wrong, I got spanked, you know, like, you know, most normal <laughs> kids, like, you know, and I held on to that fear where I'm like, you know, I always was always messing up. I was always being spanked, you know, so I'm always doing something wrong. And so there was never pleasing, there was never pleasing that anything I could do. So now coming back from the military and becoming what I had become, like, he's going to see me and just be disappointed. So I, I literally, I would hide from him. I would, I would... You can either ignore his calls or answer and kind of tell him, like, making any excuse that I could possibly make with, you know, 
oh, I worked that day. You know, I, I purposely worked on Sundays, so I had that excuse. So I had that excuse saying, I can't go to church on Sunday because I work Sundays. Sorry. You know, I literally took up a, like an offer, um, like just the, threw my name out there. I'll, I'll work Sundays if we need to, you know, just so I can have that leverage. So um, I had a, so first of all, that's just, it's crazy because that's another point in this story of the prodigal son. Yeah. I, I kind of close, um, maybe close to the point or just kind of similar to the point of when he's working at, he's working a job feeding the pigs because yeah. his inheritance is lost. He's spent all of it. And he, he's, and uh, he says, like, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against my father. And yeah. he says like, I can't go back to my father as a son, I'm going to ask him to be as one of his servants because mm -hmm. his servants are living better than I am. So mm -hmm. although it is a different situation, it's still, you were still just at a low point and you just, you just kind of pushed your dad off. Um, and really this uh, goes to show you that um, you don't know what that friend or that person you're trying to invite to church, what they, you know, might be going through because mm -hmm. you purposely didn't want to go to church because of the guilt you had. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure his persistence at some point kind of helped you make that decision, which we'll get into later, but it just, you never know the impact we can have on someone's soul. But one of the questions I had was um, uh, guilt and condemnation. I know a lot of church kids who have backslid um, and they're uh, grown up now and some of them even pastors, but they always talk about um, how hard it is to believe that God still loves them. Exactly. So did you, did, did you deal with that? And how was that, how was that thought process? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, so we'll kind of, we'll jump forward into COVID, you know? Okay. Um, while during, before COVID, it was easy to be distracted it was easy to still revel in that sin and, and, you know, be comforted by way, you know, by, by somehow, you know, now COVID's happening, you know, now everything is, is being shut down and, you know, and no one's allowed to leave. So, yeah. you know, talking about the alcohol and I can tell you the dates, you know, and I've told people and I'm no shame about it from 2000, from 20, from 2020, April 5th to 2021, April 9th, I was drinking every single day. I was going to work still. I would, I'm not going to say what I was drinking, but I was drinking almost about 20, 20 to 30% alcohol content a day. Wow. If, if, you know, if you really don't get an understanding of that, where, you know, most beer itself has six or up to 9% alcohol, you know, and, and just one single beer, you know. Where I'm, where at the end of the day, for one day I was drinking about thirty percent alcohol content, and on the weekends, if not more, you know, um, I had nothing to do. I was going. I still had a job. Fortunately, you know, I was still I was blessed with an amazing job at the time that I'll get into that later, um, you know. But to make time for for nothing, I would just do that, and on the weekends, you know, it was funny because I was doing the same thing. You know, at the time I was. All into the. I mean, I had no I had no other hobbies, you know, other than drawing, and 
I think I bought like a PC just so I could play video games and whatnot, you know, just so like, <laughs> like I said, like I had, I was never interested in video games as a kid. It was just, there was nothing to do, you know, like not, and I would, my money had nowhere to go. So I just remember buying this PC and, you know, and there was times where I didn't want to do that. And like you were saying about that combination and that rejection, sometimes I would, I would lay in my bed and it'd be like, maybe I wake up around 12 in the afternoon. I would lay in my bed from 12 to like, from almost 6 p.m., just daydreaming about a life if that I was saved, you know? And wow. like, you know, in a life that, what if I had went to church, you know? And I would just sit there. I remember just weekends would go by like that, you know? And I really thought God was done, you know? Like he just, he, he, this is when I that anger coming, you know, like when you say like like I'm like there's there's not a single like remnants of him in my room, you know, like where I live. And I lived in that room, man, and I and it be, you become filthy, you become I became this, you know, I became my sin, you know. Like I just it just it, it was like a it it enveloped me, you know, I had, my coworkers could see it, you know, and, you know, and like I mentioned earlier, when I first got to 2017, now it's 2020, right? I told myself I wasn't going to ever get to the point where I thought I would kill myself. The problem was what I was doing with my life was killing myself, you know, what I was, when I would drink and when I would put myself away further from my dad, from God, like, I was killing myself, you know, what I was doing to my body. Note, the next story includes references to hallucinations and drug abuse. If you do not want to hear this story, skip to 55 minutes and 16 seconds. So, I've heard the uh, infamous magic mushroom story. So <laughs> Magic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and this, is uh, kind, this was a big turning point in your life. Oh, yeah. Um, so, why don't you explain that and uh, explain what happened? Okay, so yeah, so I think a year has passed and I have already been drinking almost every single day. Not even almost, I was drinking every single day, you know. Like I gave those specific dates for a reason because I had, it was nonstop. After telling coworkers that I wasn't drinking on the weekdays, I was lying to them. There was a point though where I'm like, I really need to stop. I need to get sober. I need to like, I'm like, I'm going to, I was having suicidal thoughts, you know, by the end of this year. And it was starting to really scare me because that's all I could think about was dying. W would I be better off? Would my would the world be better? Like, would my parents be better off if they weren't? Wow. If I wasn't just not in the picture anymore, you know? And so I, like, I got into this whole cleansing thing where I was supposed to stop drinking for 75 days and whatnot. And, um, and I stopped drinking. I really did. I mean, trust me. I thought. I, I was afraid that I was going to start, like, scratching myself and, like, get, like, um, but it was easy, you know? The problem was it didn't do anything for me just because I stopped drinking. If anything, the drinking had helped because it, it stupefied me, you know? It made me dumb and made me forget and made me stop thinking. Now that I'm, like, sober, the thinking is there and it's just ten times full, you know? And I'm like, what, what do I do, you know? And so it goes to the shrooms. You know, I had a friend that I had done this a couple of times too. It's not like this is the first time. Oh, this is why 
you had that experience? No. I mean, I wasn't experienced. I was no expert, but I had done this before. So a friend gives me the shrooms one day. This is, uh, this is, what is it? April, how many months are in April? 29 or 30? Um, I think there's 30. Let me check. Hey, y'all need to go back to school. <laughs> Trust me, I mean, well, what pass it was, February, that? February went by so fast because it was only it was a short month. But yeah, 30, 30, 30. Okay, so I was, so it was this is April thirtieth, um, twenty twenty one. Okay, um, my friend giving these pack of shrooms, you know, and what I didn't know was just the amount of dosage. You know, I really didn't care at the time. So you want this in detail? So I get home. It's around. 10 o'clock, it's around 10 o'clock in the afternoon, so it seems like a good time, you know, to, to finally do this. I put a movie on, I think, you know, like I said, I've done this a couple times, so I'm like, I already know what I'm going to do, I know how I'm going to set myself up, you know, and so I take, you, you're supposed to eat these, whatever, you're supposed to digest them somehow, you can do it in tea, you can do it in whatever, i I literally, the way I do it, I was, I get like um, a Lunchable and I put these stems, these shroom heads in this, in these crackers and I ate them. And so, and I ate a good, like a, like a handful, which probably is, I, the stupidest. I, remember, I remember my dad saying that even one will make you go insane. And yeah. you said you, you ate a lot. And yeah, like I think I ate, probably it was portioned for two people. And the thing was, I just didn't care. I had just not didn't care, you know. So I'm all getting all excited, you know. I'm like ready to to go in. And so it's funny because a lot of people have not heard the full the full story of this. And I think I want to start by saying this: like, what I'm going to tell you about this, none of this is comforting. None of this is funny. Like, you know, the rest of the story is going to be. I'm going to tell you in detail. You know, don't expect. You know, like, you know, so I take these shrooms. They take about 30 or so minutes to hit me, you know. In that time, I start seeing shapes, and I'm like, oh, here it is. It's coming, you know. I can't wait, you know. And then all of a sudden, I start hearing noises, and they start getting real loud. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I wanted, I wanted this to stop. Like, it's a little annoying, you know? And I remember I knew something was up because I remember looking into the hallway from where my room was at. And I could see my brother going back and forth, pacing back and forth. And I called to him and he wouldn't respond to me. And then I, but it was like, it was so weird because I couldn't think. I'm like, why is this person just shooting back and forth? And I closed my door because I just don't want to see anything. I was like, okay, I closed my door. And I'm in the I'm in this room and I'm trying to watch this movie, and like you know the sounds start getting and I have headphones on. I'm trying to watch the movies and the sounds get just a little too loud, so I take them off, and I'm like, what do I what am I doing? Like, like this is uncomfortable. Like this is uh, okay. So I'm like I try to go on YouTube and I try to look up uh, I look up a happy song. There's a song on YouTube that I do not listen to anymore. Because and it's a simple, it's just a simple beat, and I do not listen because it just reminds me that day. But I put the song on, and and it's pathetic because 
the song comes on, it's all chirpy, it's all happy, and I try dancing to it. I try like just moving and having a good time, and I can see that whatever's going around me is being affected by my mood, you know. And like, okay, if I stay happy, I'll be, I'll be good, I'll, I'll be good, I'll be good. What if I, I can't do this all day? Oh man, I mean, I'm not supposed to keep this up for how long is this gonna last for? I what you know, I start panicking. I start panicking and I'm like, okay, I need to really, you know, I need to I need to figure this out. I need to relax. I need to relax. And I'm just I'm panicking. I'm just there. I'm on my bed now and I'm just like, okay, I'm looking at things and things start things start moving, you know. and it's not like, oh, you know, you look at you look at something that's like a kaleidoscope. You know, you look at this kaleidoscope, right? Mm. And you can change it and the colors change. So I have that little effect over my eyes, you know, and and I'm just hearing everything and it's just annoying. I'm just stressing out. And I'm like, I want this to stop. I need this to stop before it gets worse. Like, you know, I'm already, I, it just started, you know, and I'm already panicking, you know, and I'm like, this is way different than what I've done before. And then this voice creeps into my head. And and it's not my voice. It's it's it was it's my voice, but it's in this it's in this it's like if me if I was mimicking and trying to do a demon voice, demonic voice. And it's just like it's like Jonathan, you're worthless. Like you are pathetic. And he starts putting me down. And I'm like, what is going on? Why am I thinking this? Like but I have no control of his voice. And I'm like, okay, now I really got to get, this needs to stop. I'm hearing voices now, like, this needs to stop. So I go and I open my bathroom and I, I'm like, I'm desperate to get this out of me. And I'm thinking, that, okay, if I throw this up, this will get out of my system, you know. So I start trying to, I'm sitting in front of a toilet, this disgusting toilet, you know, like, and... I'm trying to gag myself so I can throw this up. At the time, though, I had I had nosebleed problems. You know, I had just went on this crazy sober thing for 30 days. My immune system, everything's just whacked out. You know, I have bad allergies. You know, and I try to gag myself and I sneeze and my nose starts bleeding. And as soon as my as soon as I saw that blood, it was game over. The whatever it took over, it it used that it, it just exploited it. You know, like I the problem with with shrooms is it's not like it's not like a dream. It's not like you wake up from a dream and you're like, wow, that was a weird dream. <laughs> no, this stuff is it is physically altering what you see, everything around you. You know, and that blood was all over me, and it just wouldn't stop. And it was pouring up and it filled the toilet. And I tried to, I'm like, what is going on? I'm losing it. And I'm like, and I tried to, I'm like, okay, John didn't stop. Two things are happening right now. One, you know you're on something. You know you're on shroom. So you're, you know you're hallucinating. Two, the hallucination is taking over what's actually happening. So if you are really bleeding this much, it is a concern. The last thing I want to do is bleed out to death because of my nose, bleed. like, you know, because I had a hemorrhage or something in my brain or whatever, you know. So either I'm going to bleed out in this bathroom or I'm going to try to tell someone something's wrong with me, you know? Because I don't know if I'm hallucinating the blood or if, if it's happening. So I said, if I can if I can put someone, like, if I can get someone 
other than myself to to tell me when not this is happening, I'll be good. So what I do is I slowly walk up and I start moving out of my room, out of the bathroom. So there's a bathroom in my room. When I do that, that's when all the around all the walls around me, all this all the paint, whatever starts to fall off of them, and it just reveals this dark, this disgusting like black like wall. Like if it was all this mold or whatever underneath the paint. And it's revealed, and as I'm walking into my room, it's like it's like following me. Like it's like if it's just wherever I go, it, that ooze or whatever, like the black, that that mold just infests over everything. And I'm just like, just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Like just go, you know your house, you know you're hallucinating, Jonathan. Just keep going, you're good. Like I'm literally walking with my hands on the on the on the wall to make sure I'm guiding myself correctly. And I get into my parents' room. I get my mom is there. <laughs> and I wake my mom up. And as I'm doing this, I just see all that infestation just develop every go everything, you know, just take a hold of everything. But it didn't take over my mom. So I told myself, okay, I'm gonna use my mom as my reality check. You know, she still looks normal. So I'm not going to I'm not going to trip. You know, she's still there. I wake her up and she's like, Jonathan, what are you doing? I'm like, Mom, am I bleeding? And she's like, What? Like she's she's like, she freaks out and she's like, You have blood all over you. And I'm like, okay, good. So I was having a bloody nose. So she goes and she like she's like she's like, sit in this chair and she's like, I'll be right back. And she goes, leaves, and I'm there in the chair. And all this black, you know, that whatever that gunk, whatever you want to call it, that mold begins to just develop a chair and I'm just sitting in this and I'm just surrounded by this this I mean this disgusting stuff on the wall like you can't see any form of what was that room anymore and I'm just waiting there for my mom and I'm like she better hurry up because I do not like what I'm seeing you know and what felt like was like she was gone for like maybe two minutes felt like a like a 30 minute wait for me so I get up and I go over there and she's in the bathroom she's like what are you doing like she's like Go clean yourself. And like, and she's like, she's telling me I have blood on my hands. And I look, and there's blood on my hands. This is where it, it takes off from here. So I go and I wash the blood off my hands. You know, I'm just there, like, just okay, like, okay, getting off, making sure, like, you know, and I'm done, no blood on my hands. And I turn around and I go to walk out the bathroom. My, my mom grabs me and pushes me back in the bathroom. And she's like, what are you doing? Clean the blood off your hands. I look back at my hands and they're covered in blood again. And I'm like, okay, I'm hallucinating. I must not have used anyone. I'm like trying to just reality check myself. So I go back, put my hands under the water, wash the bloods off my hands, see it coming off my hands, turn back around, along grabs me again, and pushes me into the bathroom. Jonathan, wash the blood off of your hands. And again, I look at my hands, and there's blood all over them. This, this third time when I looked at my hands, the blood that was on my hands started to come down and started to fall into the sink. And blood started just to fill the sink and fill the walls. Mind you guys, I'm on something, okay? I'm not like, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I'm standing still. And my mom is like, Jonathan, wash the blood off your hands. She has no idea that I'm on a psychedelic, that I'm just going through this. And she's like, Jonathan, 
she pushes me and she starts washing my head and I'm like, Mom, I'm sorry. She's like, What? What are you, what are you sorry for? She's like, I'm. I told her I'm, I'm on. I'm on a psychedelic. Like I'm. I'm hallucinating. I think I'm hallucinating right now. And she's like, What's a What's a psych What's a psychedelic? I'm like, It's a drug. Like you know, I'm. You see, you know, like, and like all I could say was I'm sorry. Like, and she pushes me back into the bathroom. Not like you know. She's like, she's like, cause she's like, What am I talking about? And she starts washing my hands for me. And I look in the mirror and her voice changes. And she's looking and I can't look at her and I just, this coldness, this hit my spine. Like, I'm like, where am I? Like, am I home? And for some reason that, that popped into my head and, and I'm looking in the mirror and I see my mom and she's washing my hands. And she looks in the mirror and she's just like, this voice came over her and she's, and she's talking in this weird pitch and she's like, you're such a disappointment. Like, I can't believe you're my son. While she's washing my hands, like, I raised you like this, I raised someone like you. Like, you're pathetic, Jonathan. Like, and I'm just there like, I'm sorry, mom. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where I'm at. She's like, you know where you're at. You know what this is. You know, stop lying to yourself. Oh, she's washing my hands. Like, you can't do anything on your own. You can't, you've never been able to do anything on your own. And I'm just like, I the, out of everyone that you want to hear this from, this person I tried to make at the time that I was going through this, my comfort, you know, my reality check is now telling me these things, you know. Let it be known that she didn't tell me any of this. She didn't. She was like, I was telling you, Jonathan, like, she had told me that, oh, like, uh, Jonathan, I was like, why, hi, why, why did you take that for? Like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, you know? And that was it. But for some reason, what I was hearing was this demonic voice telling me all these things. And it was like, and I couldn't even look at her. I couldn't, like, I was just looking at her reflection and she was telling me all these things. And that one person, you know, this, my mom, this hope that I put everything into was telling me these things. And that's when I lost it. You know, I think my mind had broke right there. She leaves me alone. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, where am I? And this voice came back. It's like, you know exactly where you are. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Where, like, what? And I start panicking. I'm like, where am I? And I go back into my room and I can see myself on the bed. And I'm like looking, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why am I in the bed when I'm here? And the voice is like, it's like, what did you think you're, what do you think this is? Like, like, and, and the voice was like, like I knew what the word was. And then, and I'm like, but there's no way I should be seen. Like I should be on the bed. I'm right here. It's like, no, you're not. And, and then the voice was like, say it. Like, tell me, like, where are you? Say it. You know where you're at. And I said it. I'm like, I'm in hell. And the voice was like, well, there you go. Like, and then I started arguing. I'm like, no, I can't be. It can't be in hell. Like, that's not how this works, right? Like, I'm supposed to, like, go through this whole door thing, this whole judgment, you know? Like, now all of a sudden I'm bringing God into the picture now, right? And the voice was like, what are you talking about? Why would you go through that? Like, you really think you deserve to be in heaven? 
And I'm like, no, but I thought I'm supposed to see God. I'm not. And it's like, Jonathan, you know exactly where you deserve to be. And I was like, but, but why am I here? Why am I in my room? Why am I? And it's like, don't you get it? Like, this is your hell. Like, this place you hate the most. You, you, and all the places you were you to die, thinking that you were going to do something one day, thinking that you were going to be someone. And look how pathetic you look. Why would I need to put you anywhere else? You know? And I remember sitting there, I remember, I remember like myself walking to the bed and sitting in the bed and I looked and I was no longer there. And I was sitting there, but I'm like, I can't, I'm not in hell. I'm not, I'm not, I can't be in hell. Like, this is no, this is not right. And it's like, and the voice was like, I'm arguing with this voice. And I'm like, there's no, like, no, it's like, Jonathan, like, where do you deserve to be when you die? And I'm like, I'm in hell. And it's like, so why? Why would, why do you think you like, why are you so confused? Why are you arguing with this? I'm like, because this, this isn't right. But the funny thing, three days before this had happened, on Wednesday, my dad had called me and he invited me to use on fire. And I gave the same excuse. Oh, dad, I work, I work Sundays, you know, Fridays, I'm a, I might be busy, I might be doing something. Friday, oh, this was Friday. This is what I was doing Friday. <laughs> it was, it was, this is the Thursday before Friday. And and I told him, I just gave him an excuse. I, I told him when he wanted to hear, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. You know, maybe I'll go if I'm not busy. And so now back, you know, I'm in this place and I remember that conversation. And, you know, and I'm like, and the voice was like, yeah. Like, all you had to do was go to go to church, you know? And like, but, but, it's, but it's not time. Like, I'm not... I mean, I still had time. To, it's one more day until Friday. And the voice was like, you already made your decision. You knew you weren't going to go. Why are you kidding yourself? Why are, you, why are you pretending like you were going to have a change of heart? Like you are the same person. And I just was sitting there and I'm like, no way, no. Like, this is not hell. And it's like, and the voice was like, Jonathan. Like, you've been in hell for the last four years. You have, like, you have not, like, you have not done anything, you know? You have been, I've put you exactly where I wanted you to be. You know, all that's been happening to you is you've just been decaying, sitting, and doing nothing with your life. And this is what you're going to spend for the rest of your life, for eternity. And the funny thing was, as I was trying to make light of the situation, right? I'm like, whoa, you lifting, you know, I'm a devil. Okay, whoever I'm talking to, like, I'm in hell, right? I can go and use, get some water. So I go to the, I go to the, I go to the, my kitchen, you know, we have a little water dispenser, put water in there, and I try to drink it, and I can't taste anything. And I sit there for like 30 minutes and think I'm like, I can't taste a single drop my lips. In my throat, and he's like, "Well, you think I have no control over you?" Like, and I'm hearing this voice, 
and it's like I can make you breathe when I want to. And as soon as I heard that, I couldn't breathe. I started suffocating. I started choking. I can make you. I can make you speechless if I want to. And I tried talking. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. And I remember running, just like I want this. Like this is this can't be hell. Like this can't be where I'm at. And finally, this voice told me, "You want this to stop?" I'm like yes, yes, please. Like I wanted to. You know what you need to do. You want this to stop? And I'm like, what? Like what? It's like kill yourself. And I'm like, kill myself. It's like, yep. And I'll make it stop. You kill yourself. Not only will your family be happy, but your brothers won't have to live with you anymore. They won't have to look at you anymore. They won't have to have a disappointment of a brother. Your mom. She'll be so much better without you in your life, and your dad. Imagine, imagine him be you being gone. He won't have to remember that he has a son for disappointment. And I'm just there, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay. Like this is, I want this to stop, and if everyone's life is any better. I'm, I'm done. Like, so I remember I had a work tie, and I had this little rack in my, my room. So I have a little. What's it called? Little. I don't have a closet. In my rest. I put a bar, in my bedroom as a closet, and it was pretty sturdy, you know. And I had a work tie, and I tied it around. And. I held it in my hands, and I was planning on just hanging myself with that, with that tie. And I remember telling myself, like, "This is it." The one thing I told myself I would never do, that I would never be weak enough to do, I'm gonna do it. You know, I I ended up falling to my knees, and I can remember hearing my dad's voice again. Inviting me to church, you know, saying, "Son, like, it'd be good time. To, it'd be good time to see you. You know, I miss you." And I was so mad. I was like, "He was right." Imagine if I had went, if I had just looked past my stupid pride, my my bitterness, and all I wanted to do was hear his voice. All I wanted to do was tell him I'm sorry. All I wanted to do was say. Anything to him, so I got my phone and I remember I was gonna text him something. And the voice was like, "What? What do you 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 remember where you're at, right? How are you going? Nothing's gonna get through." So I, all I did was text him. I said, "Dad, I love you," and I sent it to him, and I started crying. Cause I knew the next thing I was gonna do was I was gonna hang myself. As I started crying, not once did I pray or call to God this whole time, because I just, I was just certain that He abandoned me, you know, that He left, that He had stopped loving me a long time ago, and I closed my eyes and. 
just wept like a baby, you know. But I opened my eyes and I remember, I remember opening my eyes and having this clarity that I've never had before. All that, all that, all these hallucinations, everything was, it was gone. I feel like I just closed my eyes and literally was just crying about what I was going on around me. And granted, I was surrounded by this darkness, by this infestation. And as soon as I opened my eyes again, it was gone in a matter of seconds. And I was so taken back. I was like, what would happen? Like, that's usually not how that, it, the, the whatever with the second thought, that's not how it just, it just doesn't cut like that. And I'm literally on my knees and I'm just like, what, what do I do? Like, everything's gone. It's quiet. Like, and I hear it. And this is where, like, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint it, but I tell people I'm always like, man, they're gonna think I'm crazy, you know, but because I just went through a whole crazy this, but like I was sober, I was completely like the I was not hallucinating, it was nothing anymore. And I remember on my knees, I heard this voice, this distinct voice, clear as day. It wasn't it wasn't had any, it wasn't like a big special effect, it wasn't like you know, something crazy. It just said, it said, get up. And I got up and I was there like, okay, like uh, this, this, this voice I just heard that said, get up was the most, it was the most calmest. It was not, it was not, it had to know it. Like, it didn't feel like there was, it was an authority to it, but it wasn't like big. It was nothing. It was just this voice that just said, get up. And it was not on my own. So I responded to it. I got up and then I was there and I'm like, literally in my room, like, uh, and then it says move. And I move, I'm like, move, move where? Like, move, like, and I can, the only thing I can look at is that my door was open after coming back from in my room. So I walk into the hallway. I walk into the hallway. I'm like, what do I do now? Like, voice, like this, like, I'm I'm hearing you. And then it said, look. And I look around, I'm like, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I see my brother's bedroom door open. This is like, 2.30 in the morning, you know, this whole experience was about six hours, you know. Wow. Yeah. And so 2.30 in the morning, this bedroom's door is open. My brother's bedroom door is open. And I'm like, I see a light, a faint light in his room. And I open the door and three of my brothers are in that room. And one of them is awake. And I'm like, hey, I won't say his name. But I'm like, like, what are you... What are you still doing awake? It's like, it's, and he's like, I can't sleep. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't sleep? And he's like, I'm afraid. I'm like, what are you, what are you afraid of? He's like, I think I'm gonna die. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I just had this episode. Why is he having this thought? And that voice came back. That demonic voice was like, it's like, you were the only thing keeping me from your family. So as soon as I got you, why wouldn't I take the whole family? There's nothing there's nothing left for them. I got I got you. So why wouldn't I take them? And when I heard that I snapped. I was like, no way. Like now I'm done. I grabbed my brother, we ran to the kitchen and I get my phone and I tried calling my dad. 
and it's like I said, it's like two thirty something in the morning. And he doesn't answer, you know, this first call, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like Dad, please, like wake up, man. And I'm like, so I'm sitting on the kitchen table, and I call my dad again. Again, no answer. And I'm just like, please, like, just like, am I really? And the voice was like, where do you think you are? Why? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not there. I call him one time. He finally answers. And I'm afraid, you know. I'm afraid what's about, about to happen. But I just told my, my dad, it's me. I'm with my brother. I'm with my brother. Please pray for us. Like something is going on. And he prays for us. We do some his prayer. You know, I talk to my brother. And I, you know, I go ahead and send him to go back to bed. And then I finally, you know, I get on the phone with my dad. And you know that moment when the son goes to the father, you know, and it's like, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. You know, I am on the phone with my dad and I'm just like, dad, like, I'm sorry, like, I'm such a disappointment. I'm just telling him everything. I'm like, you know, everything I'm telling you, every single thing, I'm like, I'm just exposing myself. I'm just like, you know, like, I'm sorry that I'm your son. I'm sorry that you had to put up with me. And like, and he just stops me, he's like, son. And, and he's like, son, I love you. And I've always loved you. And when I heard those words, it was like, it was, it was, it wasn't, I wasn't just hearing that from my dad. I was hearing that from God, you know, like this whole time through that pain, through my suffering, the darkness I was going through, God was there, man. He was there and he was, he never left me. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't disappointed. He was upset. He was sad, but he never stopped loving me. And when I heard those words, you know, I was telling love. God's love is what saved my life. I realized that just the self-reflection, like, it was me. I was the one who kept these lies, you know, who kept this pain. And at that moment, you know, it took me a second, a second of all that to be released. And like, my dad prayed with me again. And, you know, from that moment, I mean, it's been a year and a half, you know, from then. But yeah, that May 1st. So, yeah. wow. <laughs> that was crazy. You could say that again. So, um, we know it's uh, the episode's getting a little long, guys, but we wanted to end this episode off with um, Jonathan talking about his life now with God. He mentioned that his uh, many things have been happening in his life. He's been blessed. And um, well, Jonathan, why don't you talk about that for a little bit ever since you got saved? What has happened in your life? Yeah, I mean, from, you know, from the start of that, I knew that my life was changed. I had just changed for the rest of like, But I had no idea what was in store for me. I'd give my life to God and I told myself, I 
do not care anymore. I do not care. I'm like, God, you have full authority and full control. I'm done with this. I had no idea what was in store, man. I had no idea. You know, I became invested, though. I became addicted to this. You know, there's people say that, you know, you hear, oh, yeah, I hear voices in my head. You don't understand you hear voices into your head until they stop. And I'm telling you, like, it was, I mean, I was saved, man. I was, I mean, we're walking outside. I've been in foreign countries. I talk to people all the time. You know, I've been in places that only 1% of the, the American population has been. I've seen sunsets and sunrises from all over the world. The first time I, I remember walking down the church one day and looking at the sun and seeing the clouds, and I cried like a baby because it was the most beautiful thing in the world, you know. Oh, you were on this high? No, man. I would, it, was, it was like a... It was, I was giving this new pair of eyes, man. Like, this, like... This new mindset, this new idea, but I, mean, I had no clue. I had no clue. I went in. I just went in full throttle, you know. Told my dad I wanted everything. I mean, I don't. Whatever God has a soul, I want it, you know. Um, you know, from the year from then, like you know, even even you know, it will kick my butt. Is everything I told you with your brother, you know, seeing seeing people who never had to leave, who didn't have to have my experience, you know, seeing people motivated, Sammy and Colton, like, you know, I was like, okay, I need to kick it into high gear. I need to, like, this, these men never need an excuse to leave God's side. And I can't make excuses for, for, for being redeemed, you know. And, you know, those three areas, things I wanted to hit was we're redeemed, restored, and renewal, you know. We're redeeming, like, you know, it's 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 not like I was just a new skin was put on my body, you know, and and I was just walking around with a new face. But I was I was changed. I was totally changed, you know. And it didn't start with this whole like, oh, you know, like no. I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not cussing anymore. I'm not doing any of that. I'm done with it, you know. And like I went cold turkey, you know, and I just totally. Didn't haven't touched it, you know. I've been sober since, and all that. Like, doesn't you know? It's not like it, it's nothing. No, it's like I'm done, you know. And my past, it just doesn't define me, you know. And I struggle with it. I struggle with this condemnation through my relationship with God. I struggle with this, this idea that I was I got saved too late, right? That I was like, oh, I'm I'm 26 years old when I got saved, and. I'm like, how how am I going to catch up? You know, the youth that the youth that I went to church before when I was younger, seventeen, sixteen. They all have family. They all have kids. You know how like, but my parents, my Cynthia, my dad told me something. You know, it's like Jonathan, God renews and He restores. God will restore at that time, and then it it didn't it didn't click with me. It didn't click with me at all, and it wasn't until. You know, just recently, where I mean, if I can say this, I'm, you know, I'm engaged now. You know, I'm engaged to. And she doesn't get mad that I say anything about her on here, but to an amazing woman, God, a jewel that I do not deserve one bit. You know, God put me a destiny, a path that that not that I was didn't deserve, but that was always there. 
this pastor, um, Mauro Sanchez, gave me this description one time. When God holds that blessing above us, he never pushes, pulls it away from us or, or you know, or teases it, us with it. It's there. It's always there. And we are going to reach, we're going to reach for it, obviously. We're going to want to grab it. Is it the problem is that if we leave, God doesn't leave or walk away. The blessing remains there, man. It stays there. And until God, you know, he knows we're ready, you know, and he sees us, he sees, you know, he loves us. He's never been disappointed. He doesn't come back with the, oh my God, it's this guy again, you know? Like, God is just, he wants to open that blessing. He wants to open his hand for us, you know? And he, and he and he's done that for me, you know, in the year and a half. The privilege I've had just to be a part of the youth, you know, the MC, like, you know, for, for the both for recent concerts, you know, like what an absolute privilege that is, an absolute absolute blessing that has been. You know, and you know, and not to obviously not to make this too long, but it's it has been a year and a half. In two more months, it'll be two years. When God has done for me in that, that matter of time, he, he, what he what he has done for me in that time has been more than anything that has ever happened in my life, you know. These are my best days, man. These, this last year and a half has been the, have been the best days of my life. With true happiness, with true love in my heart, you know. The, redeem, the redemption that God has given me and what he's allowed me to, how to be that. Sometimes it's weird telling people my, people my testimony, man. But when I tell people sometimes, sometimes they just need to hear a fraction of it and they're like, God can do that? Like, yeah, I mean, look, I'm a walking, thinking miracle, man. And I mean, that's what we all are. We're just, we're miracles, man. I mean, I know Rafa was saying something earlier about his father, but I mean, Rafa, I mean, you're a miracle, bro. I mean, like, why you have an inheritance beyond your belief, you know? We are miracles, man. When, we, when God is in our lives, we are miracles every single day. And, you know, not that we have to get, we have to go through that experience to really know. Like, God is not how God works. God just needs us to have that brokenness for him, you know? And I just was tough cookie, man. It's a hard nut to crack, you know. But when we when we truly when we truly are broken in front of him, when he when he restores us, man, and he shapes us into what we had the potential to be, and that's when we really see that, you know. But yeah, no, it, I mean, yeah, no, it's these last like I said, this last year and a half has been amazing. How long have you been engaged again? Huh? How long what? have you been engaged? Oh, I was engaged again. No, I mean, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I mean, even in that time, like, you know, I had a brother come up to me once and tell me, Jonathan, God is going to expedite your life. Expedite. I'm like, what? But I took it. I took it to heart, man. And you know, I've been engaged since, um, I want to say, I got, I got engaged in New Year's. Well, the 30, December 31st, you know, but thing is like you know what god has done with me and then that person alone like you know i know a lot of pks or a lot of kids in general you know we get we get to a point where you know oh who we go who we going to event and it's a whole different 
topic, you know, with finding that person. But God gave me someone because he loves me, not because I didn't deserve it. I do deserve it. He loves me and he wants, he wanted to bless me, you know, and he has truly blessed me a hundred percent. Trust me, it's not like I enjoy talking about it. I mean, yeah. the first couple first couple weeks after that happened, I was traumatized. I was like, I don't, I mean, like that really, it put the fear in me, but then it was like, okay, I don't want the fear of hell in me. I want the fear of God in me, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, you know, really, really trying to get in touch with what happened that day, you know. You know, the, the funny thing, the first youth rally we had, the one yes. Rise Up one. Yes. That was based off of that first word that I was told, get up. It was it was rise, you know, rise up. Like I've I use that in reference to like to like you know like God is telling us to stand up and that's the first thing he told me to do was to stand up, you know. Whatever that was the Holy Ghost or you know, I'm I mean, you know, everything I mean, I'm just glad I listened to that voice that day, you know. Like, you know, yeah. Well, you guys, thank you uh, for joining us and for watching with us. Um, it was incredible testimony. Thank you to Jonathan for coming on and sharing his testimony. Um, I just, gosh, <laughs> it's crazy just thinking about it. But uh, make sure you share, like, subscribe. Uh, if you're on Spotify, follow us. Uh, if you enjoy this content, um, follow us on Instagram. Um we'll have the uh, the name right here it's like a ton of underscores and dots um we'll have the link in the description below uh visit our website for merch options check out our merch um and yeah we'll see you in the next one thank you guys for staying with us so you know you hear my testimony and whatnot and it's what it is man I'm not going to say, and we don't need to have that experience. We don't, we don't need to put ourselves in that situation. What I want you, what really what I hope was heard is that God is persistent, man. God loves you and cares for you. And he is right there in those darkest times. He is right there in this pain. And just because you have left God, just because you think that he's not there. He's there. He remembers you. He, he knew you before you were made in the womb, man. The fact that we have a God in that place. I had a father. and did, and he loved me with all his heart. But I took that bitterness. And if you listen to this and you have that bitterness, you have that anger, it may not be against your your father, but with your mother, your friend, anyone, but you're putting it on God. And I'm telling you, God cares for you. He loves you. And it's by his mercy and grace that you get to stand there. You get to be and you get to hold on to that bitterness. But he's calling you. And he's, he's searching for you. Every corner, every place you can go. He does not leave your sight. So if you're here and you don't have God in your heart, or even if you know God is there, but you have rejected him, you have pushed him away, and you don't see that there's a point of self-return, 
I'm telling you, there's a place right now. We're going to pray and I ask that you repeat after me. When you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you forgive me for my sins, for my bitterness, for my anger, my hate. God, you have been there in my darkest times, in my darkest moments. You know me and you know my secrets. There is nothing hidden from you. You love me, Father, and I ask that you re-enter into my heart. You show me your love and your grace. Forgive me, Father, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully that went through and understand if you're in that place, you're in that dark hole, there's a light. And God, like I said, God is waiting to open that blessing. He's waiting to see you step in that destiny. And when we do, it's all smiles, man. It's all love. It's just by his grace and his glory that God redeems, he restores, and he renews. Thank you. And something significant I remember from your testimony that uh, you told at the youth rally was um, just a picture of how much Jonathan was into drinking. Blue boys! <laughs> what a perfect time. <laughs> okay. Um, just give him a second there. Just go into the store or something. <laughs> Mr. <and> Mrs. Taylor. <laughs> oh, yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Rockstar. So, yeah. Wow. So, can you hear my mom in the background? Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's um, good. It's good. 